when we keep demanding Israel to revoke this decision, we're also empowering it to have more control over us. Like, is it by day and night they decide who's a terrorist organization and who's not? The Electronic Intifada. The Electronic Intifada. The Electronic Intifada. This is the Electronic Intifada podcast. I'm Nora Barrows-Friedman. And I'm Asa Winstanley. Welcome back to the Electronic Intifada podcast. Israel's designation of six major Palestinian rights groups as, quote, terrorist organizations on October 22nd has elicited an immediate and strong response from human rights defenders. Dozens of human rights organizations in Israel jointly condemned the move, which was announced by Israeli Defense Minister Benny Gantz as a, quote, act of cowardice that is, quote, characteristic of repressive authoritarian regimes. They called on the international community to, quote, oppose this decision unequivocally. The human rights groups, Al-Haq, Defense for Children, International Palestine, Ademir, the Union of Palestinian Women's Committees, the Union of Agricultural Work Committees, and the Bisan Center for Research and Development have cooperated closely with the International Criminal Court in its war crimes probe in the West Bank and Gaza. UN special rapporteurs have warned that the Israeli designation would effectively ban the war ban the work of the human rights groups. It provides a pretext for Israel to arrest their staff, close their offices, and seize their property. As the Electronic Intifada has reported, Israel has long sought to defame and sabotage the work of Palestinian human rights groups seeking to end Israeli impunity, while senior Israeli figures and lobby groups baselessly accuse these groups of, quote, weaponizing the ICC against the U.S. and Israel. Today, we're speaking with representatives of two of the six Palestinian human rights groups, Asil Abbaje, legal researcher and advocacy officer at Al-Haq, and Milena Ansari, international advocacy officer at Adamir. Asil and Milena, thank you so much for being with us on the Electronic Intifada podcast. Thank you for hosting us. Of course. Uh, Asil, let's begin with you. M- much of the work that Al-Haq does centers around documenting Israeli war crimes and trying to hold Israel to account. Tell us about that work and give us a sense of what this designation by Benny Gantz aims to do to your organization. Absolutely. So we've actually been operating uh, in the occupied Palestinian territory since 40 years, 42 years now. And since uh, the 70s, the organization has been documenting and monitoring the human rights situation, uh, as well as documentation uh, to do advocacy words, uh, advocacy work in, in various uh, ways, including at the International Criminal Court, as you, uh, as you mentioned, but also at the, at the United Nations level uh, with the special procedures at the Human Rights Council, and with policymakers to try to push that Israel ends its illegal uh, uh, apartheid regime and uh, military occupation against the Palestinian people. Uh, in terms of what does uh, this designation mean to us as Al-Haq, but also as the Palestinian civil society and human rights defenders, and also as the Palestinian people as a whole, because this represents an escalated attack within institutionalized and ongoing efforts to silence any effort seeking to challenge uh, basically uh, Israel's uh, crimes and violations against the Palestinian people. Civil society groups, uh, including Al-Haq, 
that in Palestine seek to um, amplify what is going on on the ground and to advocate for a better future for the Palestinian people. So we see it as part of the whole repression of the Palestinian people, but also uh, our work has been also subjected to smear campaigns and intimidation by the Israeli occupying authorities since decades now, including death threats for individuals uh, at Al-Haq, for example, related to our work at the International Criminal Court, but also uh, arbitrary arrests. I think Melina can highlight more on that uh, and the fact that we are also subjected to residence revocation. So this is part of an institu institutionalized effort to silence any effort, as I said. Uh, how do we respond to that is that our struggle as the Palestinian people um, will not stop with these uh, failed attempts uh, to silence our voices. Uh, we nonetheless are subjected to um, uh, threats of being arrested and for our assets to be also uh, confiscated as well. So we do need the international community and the global human rights movement to stand with us. Thank you. And Melina, um, talk about the work at Ademir, which advocates for the rights of Palestinian prisoners, as Asil mentioned. Um, in 2019, your offices in Ramallah were raided and computer equipment was seized by Israeli occupation forces. The same thing happened to Defense for Children International Palestine's offices just weeks ago. Um, Ademir has been under constant attack by Israel, as all the five other groups have been. Um, tell us about Ademir and, and how this designation uh, is designed to stop your work. Yes, thank you. Um, to begin with, Ademir, um, Prisoner Support and Human Rights Association, is a Palestinian non-governmental association that provides free legal aid to Palestinian political prisoners held both in Israeli prisons and under the Palestinian authorities' prisons. Um, we also advocate for the rights of Palestinian prisoners on an international and a national level. Um, we, the documentation unit at Adamir, um, through their prison visits and, and legal files and cases, they have documented systematic um, and arbitrary policies by the Israeli prison services against the Palestinian prisoners, such as medical neglect, um, arbitrary collective punishment, isolation, and many other arbitrary and harsh ill-treatment in prisons. Um, as you mentioned, Adamir um, has been a target of this Israeli-led attacks um, for, so, for many years. This is an attack that has been ongoing by harassments of, as Asil mentioned, residency revocation, arbitrary arrests under administrative detention, which means without any charges or without any trial for an indefinite time. So this, is, this has been an escalation for a long time. Um, during the raid in 2019, in 2019 Adamir was taking on um, cases of torture where detainees were subjected to extreme torture um, um, techniques against them during interrogation, where one, one of them, um, within 48 hours, he was taken to the hospital and under critical, um, his life was at imminent risk. Um, you know, so when Israel feels that the work of human rights organizations is 
really taking action and maybe is asking is asking accountability in a strong voice they start attacking in bizarre and arbitrary measures such as the six the the, the decision of design, uh, designating um our legitimate our legitimate human rights work as terrorist you know this is absolutely bizarre but this is truly not surprising because the international community has been silent um, with everything that has been going on. You know, um, Shada Oudi, the, the, the director of the health work committees, is now in detention under ill and, and arbitrary conditions. And she's the director of the health work committees. And the world stay, stayed silent when she was arbitrarily arrested just because Israel decided that the health work committees is an unlawful organization and they get to um, completely shut down um, legitimate Palestinian um, providing public services to vulnerable communities. Um, so we do also have to um, let the international community know that, you know, now is the time to actually stand up with the six. And when we say six, it's not only these six organizations, we're saying the Palestinian people as a whole. Um, sorry, just to one thing, yeah. when, we, when we keep demanding Israel to revoke this decision, we're also empowering it to have more control over us. Like, is it by day and night they decide who's a terrorist organization and who's not, depending on how far they're getting in the international community? Um, so this must end. We must not bow down to this harassment and bullying. Yeah, thank you. Um, UN human rights experts warned that, quote, this designation is a frontal attack on the Palestinian human rights movement and on human rights everywhere. Um, can you talk a little bit more about the the, the ramifications of this designation? Um, you know, I mean, Ademir, for example, advocates for Palestinian political prisoners. As you mentioned, some of its officers have been uh, arbitrarily arrested and detained. At this point, does a designation like this leave uh, you, know, you and a SEAL and, and members and staff of, of these organizations vulnerable to arrest and, and administrative detention at this point? What, you know, what are you uh what what could happen what are you expecting you know this answer could my answer could come in different aspects we're talking about the defunding from the sponsors we're talking about isolating the work of palestinian civil society organizations from the global community we're talking about the international community questioning the credibility or not. This is why we see the public statements as motivation that this part or of a threat is not really happening on ground. But what I mean to say, but the defunding of, of sponsors and, or, um, and, and organizations that have always supported the work of, of, of the Palestinian civil society organizations, like Adamir, for instance, this was not following the decision, but uh, two weeks before one of our core donors um, um, start, um, did not renew the contract for additional sponsors due to political pressures, as they clearly stated. So, you know, sometimes so do international organizations do um, bow to these um, false accusations and other times 
they publish inter, um, statements where they say these there are no bases, there are no substantial evidence. Regarding all that, we still stand and we do know that this is legitimate human rights work. So, you know, arbitrary arrests are definitely an eminent risk at all employees, even the directors. This is not something that is bizarre by the Israeli occupation. As I mentioned, Shada Aude is in prison um, still, and she's a 61-year-old woman. So it's it, no one is exempt from the, the threats that are happening. Yeah, Asil, uh, what's your what's your response to that? Yeah, adding to what Melina said, I think there's the individual level of how this these designation, um, what the consequences are, but there is also the collective kind of impact on our work. And as Melina said, I just like to highlight that also these designation come under Israel's domestic law that is illegally applied into the occupied territory. And this law is basically vague in its definitions and it can apply basically from five to 25 years of prison terms to, to the staff of our organizations. Uh, so this is uh, on an individual level of how this will impact us. But I think also on uh, the, the symbolic nature of our work as well. Uh, so, for example, we do also kind of uh, collective work, joint work together as organization. Melina and myself are actually, we're actually been working on advocating for the rights uh, of Palestinians in Beta in Nablus, which is, uh, which since uh, May, they have been protesting an uh, unlawful settlement that was placed on their land illegally. And since then, what the Israeli occupying authorities have have done is killing the protesters, the civilians, and injuring the civilians. Uh, there are now seven Palestinians killed in Beta only since May. And Adamir, for example, has been also documenting the arrests in this area where dozens have been illegally and arbitrarily arrested as well. So this is the kind of work we do. And unfortunately, the Israeli authorities have the, 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 like, uh, distracted us from the work that we do uh, instead of us now advocating for this. This is just an example, of course, the beta, the beta case. But instead of us working to advocate for and the protection of the rights of people in beta, we are now countering and trying to protect ourselves as well from this arbitrary and unlawful designation. Yeah, that's part of it, right? I mean, that's it, the you know, it's how Israel lobby groups here in the U.S. and and you know North America, um, they they go after human rights defenders. They try and tie up their time and resources and finances in court and legal proceedings, in order to to get them to stop the work that they're doing. Um, can you? Uh, there, there was a, a diplomatic briefing on Wednesday um, by uh, representatives of the, the six groups calling for immediate intervention to defend Palestinian human rights organizations and staff. Um, you know, the, and as I mentioned, uh, uh, Raja Shahade, the founder of Al-Haq, said recently the fact that Al-Haq and other rights groups have supplied evidence of war crimes by Benny Gantz himself to the International Criminal Court is a very probable reason Gantz made this declaration. Um, what can you say about Gantz's personal connection to declaring Al-Haq uh, and, and Abdemir and the, the, the others as terrorist organizations and the way that Israel itself through the last 73 years has been attempting to silence and attack any international body 
that could enact consequences uh, for the entire Israeli project. Yes, there is absolutely a connection between the decision and the advocacy on an international level, especially the International Criminal Court. Um, both our organizations and the DCI and other Palestinian civil society organizations are doing legal documentation to the ICC um, um, after um, their decision to open an investigation. Al-Damir is representing three victims before the ICC um, who are children, prisoner, prisoner children, who were transferred illegally inside the occupying um, territory, um, which is um, illegal under international law and international um, criminal law. Um, and, and DCIP is also on um, is the, representing victims before the ICC, as well as Al-Haq has many documentation regarding the systematic and widespread um, 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 you know, attacks and, and crimes against humanity that the Israeli occupation is 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 doing on ground. Um, so it is is completely true. Um, and and since the decision of opening the investigation, it seems like things are moving on in the international um, community regarding the ICC. Um, so we believe, like as Asil men mentioned, it is a distraction for our work. There is so many. Um, um, violations of human rights that are being documented. And instead of um, following up on that or prosecuting and asking for accountability regarding these crimes, we're here advocating all together jointly to um, defend what Israel is crying wolf about. And, and the international community is just watching to see what secret evidence there is. This is completely bizarre at this point. Um, Basile, did you want to add to that? Yeah, I can only say that we also see this as like a failed attempt uh, after several uh, years and decades of smearing campaigns and intimidations uh, to Palestinian civil society organizations and human rights defenders. Uh, like Israel have failed to challenge our work based on and on evidence or on, uh, on law, so now it is trying to criminalize the whole Palestinian uh, civil society work. And it is indeed related to the, our work towards accountability, but also there's uh, a widespread and uh, mounting recognition of Israel as an apartheid regime as well by uh, states and by, uh, uh, by the United Nations and by uh, global civil society. So this is kind of intimidating Israel to uh, eliminate any voice trying to expose its its crimes and its uh, or efforts seeking uh, accountability, basically. Uh, finally, what are the next steps uh, for your organizations now? And, and what can people around the world do to make their voices heard at the international level? Um, I know that you know, in terms of like even financial support, it's almost impossible for people here in the US and, and in Europe um, to, you know, to, to donate via PayPal or anything like that, because Israel has um, completely banned the use of, uh, you know, monetary exchange platforms um, to support your work. Um, what can people do right now? mobilize, take action, and most importantly, you know, I'm not 
trying to advertise or whatnot, you need to follow the sources, which are the six organizations. We are calling for actions daily. We are calling for um, stands and rallies, um, actions for specific um, organizations or for individuals or for politicians. Um, you know, we're trying as much as possible to allow the international community um, to take its role regarding what's happening right now. So now is the time to really wake up and, and take action, whether it is with statements or um, speaking up to your parliamentarians, your elected officials. Um, these are the specific, uh, more the broader um, demands. Um, I think, Asil, if you'd like to add to that, but, it, um, but it's important to really not think or take this lightly. Um, arbitrary measures will come escalating after this. So we do need to take action as soon as possible. Yeah, I can only add that um, the we are at risk at now, so we need protection and protections comes from action. Uh, and as Melina said, one, one way to do so is to pressure policymakers by like individually, individuals can pressure their policymakers to uh, call on Israel to end uh, this uh, designation and also to revoke the law itself. And any effort basically that Israel does to silence Israel, uh, Palestinian resistance and, uh, and voices uh, against its, its violations. Uh, in relation to donors, I would say that this is and um, donors, but also the international community who is supporting Palestinian civil society. This is the time because we've been we've been repeating the same demands since decades in relation to different violations that Israel has done uh, over the, since uh, decades. Uh, uh, now is the is the time to actually act on uh, their international obligations to, to pressure Israel to end the whole illegal situation against the Palestinian people as a whole. Asil Abaje from Al-Haq and Milena Ansari from Ad-Damir, uh, thank you so much for all the work that you both do and, and the work of your colleagues. Um, we will have links up on the Electronic Infada blog post that accompanies this podcast so people can check out more of your work and learn more about your organization and how you're fighting back and, and um, fighting for the rights of Palestinians. Thank you both so much and, and please be safe. We'll, uh, we'll check back with you soon. I'm Nora Barrows-Friedman and welcome back to the Electronic Intifada podcast. Over the years, activists around the US have organized to pass resolutions in support of Palestinian rights via their local city councils and have faced attacks by the Israel lobby. Today, we're looking at a particular case in Burlington, Vermont where for months, more than two dozen leftist groups have worked to get their city council to pass a resolution in explicit support of the Palestinian-led boycott, divestment, and sanctions campaign, which would make it the first U.S. city to do so. As blogger Richard Silverstein writes, quote, during the campaign, the groups worked tirelessly to gain the support of city council members. They secured the support of seven of 12 members and believed they were assured of victory. 
but they didn't count on the overwhelming firepower of the local and national Israel lobby. It pulled out all the stops, flooding their council offices with up to 2,000 text and email messages, letters, and phone calls denouncing the resolution as anti-Semitic. Joining us to talk about this resolution, what the next steps uh, for it are, and the importance of organizing such a campaign is Wafiq Faur of Vermonters for Justice in Palestine. Wafiq, thank you so much for being with us on the Electronic Intifada podcast. Oh, thank you, Nora, and good to see you again. Good yes. to see you again. Likewise. Uh, so yeah. talk about this resolution. Um, the Israel lobby claimed that it was easily defeated, but it actually isn't over yet. Um, can you talk about what the resolution says and its next steps? I, I think the resolution, uh, it was a clear of our demand of uh, withdrawal of uh, Israel from occupied Arab land, what we mean 1967 lands that include Golan Heights, uh, respecting the human and equal rights of uh, Palestinian Israeli citizen. Uh, and in the, the apartheid laws in Israel. And lastly, respecting uh, American citizen who observe and call for BDS, which is, stands for boycott, divestment and sanctions. And uh, Noura, we, we wrote uh, this resolution and we worked on it uh, uh, prior to a success we have here in uh, Vermont and city of Burlington that we forced uh, Ben and Jerry after almost uh, a decade of uh, activism uh, to come with a statement uh, calls for the end of their business in Israel and occupied uh, territory and uh, uh, the uh, both occasions came together uh, because it was July 19th, the statement came out. We introduced our resolution after uh, work with many people, uh, mainly the committee within the city that it's uh, called the racial uh, equity, inclusion and uh, belonging uh, on the 20th, on the evening. So it's the second day exactly. Uh, after hearing uh, within the committee and passing it the first meeting, uh, we went to second meeting of the same committee. Uh, our supporters there uh, came in and uh, it was uh, international news because the second day there were a lot of uh, journalists, including Israeli journalists from Channel 13. We, we, I took him to the meeting. So it was over three days uh, in news in Israel as well. Contrary to our uh, uh, local uh, Jewish siblings uh, who says that they didn't know about it because they were in the same program like us. We didn't hide anything. Our call was very clear, uh, mainly on respect of human rights and equal rights to the Palestinian people as well. Uh, after it passed committee, we had uh, no control of the calendar ourselves. It is a parliamentarian calendar. So uh, from the committee went to the full council on uh, uh, the, uh, September 13th, uh, uh, Monday, September 13th. Now, 
the local uh, Zionist uh, supporters of Israel, they came out with two kinds of attack. One, they called us anti-Semitic and unsensitive because we brought such resolution on high holiday of uh, the, our Jewish siblings between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur and uh, that uh, we are trying uh, to single out Israel. Uh, and frankly, we worked very hard in our, because we thought it is timely, not because uh, we like to exercise our rights, which is we have all the right to do it, timely because we build on it over the years. Uh, this is not the first time we wrote a resolution. We did it before, but 10 years ago, 11 years ago, it was no taker. As a matter of fact, the only interested person, uh, council member then, it wa uh, was uh, from the Republican Party. We didn't call for BDS then, but at the same time, he told me, go and talk to the left, if they accepted, I'm accepting it. This time we called every member of the council and we sent the resolution. We talked to our progressive members within the uh, Burlington City Council. Uh, we had success with six of them and one independent who became uh, the sponsor of the resolution. Now, all this talk and we send the resolution to the lawyers of the city to make a comparison, what is the effect on the city? Because we didn't call the city for divestment. We called the respect of uh, boycott divestment sanctions. Uh, and it has been sent to the mayor too. All through this time, we didn't hear anything. Friday before Monday, when uh, the council supposed to meet four of our uh, local rabbis, uh, they came with a statement uh, in uh, our local uh, newspaper attacking uh, the resolution. Immediately after we saw uh, hundreds of email going to the council member and uh, uh, the, the mayor uh, to reject it. There was a huge pressure uh, to the uh, sponsor uh, council member Ali Jiang uh, to withdraw before it comes to Monday. We rejected all that. We felt that the, some of the council members uh, start to stop answering our calls. We felt the people who answered our calls, they told us about this emails coming from all over United States. Uh, and it was two kind of letters that later we discovered they came uh, from Israeli lobbying groups like ICANN and uh, uh, ADL, the Anti-Defamation League. Uh, and the second surprise, uh, it's some of the rabbis who attacked the resolution are people we meet on another occasions because we are not working here on the Palestinian question. We build Palestinian question through social and racial uh, work on the ground. So 
we sometimes uh, we see many members of the uh, Jewish congregations and synagogues standing up with the migrants. And we bring the subjects we are migrants to. They stand with the Black Lives Matters. And we brought the uh, uh, apartheid uh, racism existed on Israel. Uh, 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 against the southern wall. We talk about the wall they are building over there, environmentalists, about what's happening in our water over there and the shoreline. Uh, uh, so all our issues is the same issues we are fighting here in the United States. And we put a comparison between uh, the uh, inequity, uh, the racial divide we are living here on uh, education, on healthcare, uh, on housing, uh, uh, and in judicial system. And we make a comparison based on uh, a lot of, uh, of studies taken place by uh, Human Rights Watch, by uh, Israeli human rights uh, uh, organization like Beit Salem, like Damir and others. So we were not blindfolded when we went there. We were not adventure. We get seven votes that they read the resolution Nobody brought the uh, subject of anti-Jewish or anti-Semitism because us too, we are fighting against anti-Semitism. We too, we are fighting against uh, Islamophobia and any kind of racism. Uh, so nobody brought that issue that including the mayor who came in in a statement against uh, the resolution uh, uh, Monday at noon. So we know even if we have the seven that we didn't have a majority proof, even though we were uh, banking on another two votes from the Democratic Caucus that they were not decided and they wanna talk more about it, they wanna study it, but we were sure that uh, the subject of Palestinian human rights and equal rights and our rights as American citizen, it will be respected on uh, Burlington City. Uh, uh, before we went into uh, the city hall, we had a huge rally, I mean over 150 people, and we went to the city hall, but 10 minutes after six when the rally, we learned one of the greatest supporters within the council, she's not going to show up. So we know our situation is in a shaky ground uh, because she was very sick. But we entered over there and the council who sponsored our resolution said, I am under so much pressure to pull it out. And I've been called left and right about it. And frankly, he told me he's scared for his family, for his daughter, for his well-being. I mean, he told me things that he didn't tell anybody like traveling in Tuesday overseas and people will tell him, oh, have a nice trip. So it was, he felt it like his life is threatened. But we insisted that we need the debate. The debate is necessary. And it is uh, going to happen, is, is that right? Do you have a date for it when took, that? 
No, it took a place that ah. evening. I mean, it started 7.30, we, we left the city hall at two o'clock in the morning. Huh. So the debate happened and the people who were forcing our uh, council member, the sponsor at the end, even though we were two to one and you can go to the uh, video, you can see the difference. The difference is what we are living now. You have a mixed uh, people who look like the future of this country, coming from all walk of life with all the colors possible, standing with us, standing with the Palestinian human rights and equal rights for racial justice too. And you have older generation of uh, Zionist Jewish, they repeated the same thing that bringing this issue during the holy uh, days, uh, it's anti-Semitic and they called us all names possible. And we were two to one on that, but uh, the, uh, at the end, they insisted our opponents on the council to put things to the vote. And when we know our numbers are not sufficient even to vote for, and we are threatened by veto, we ask our council member uh, to pull it out and we will bring it on another day. And the vote can tell you this is the outcome because uh, the uh, sixth uh, vote uh, voted to pull it out and not to shelf it. And the, our opponents, they had five votes. So how to describe this? Absolutely, we didn't win the resolution we hoped for, but they lost. They lost the vote they wished for because they call it, we wanna put everybody in record and they made the whole debate. So, uh, Anti-Semitism, so uh, we are preparing now for the next round. We are in contact of the same council members and we're going through education and we, we can talk about it uh, more. Yeah. Thanks for that. Um, and, uh, you know, the, the, the way that these uh, Israel lobby groups are attacking people who stand up for Palestinian rights. Of course, you know, this like very well-worn smear campaign of anti-Semitism, um, you know, um, when it has absolutely nothing to do with acts of bigotry against Jews. Um, how, how do activists fight that? How, you know, what are, what's the advice that you can give to activists um, who are, you know, considering this kind of campaign to, to get their local city council to, to, to act, you know, uh, you know, for Palestinian rights um, or to support BDS. How, what do you say to activists who are like, oh God, if I'm going to be, you know, smeared as an anti-Semite um, by these very powerful lobby groups, um, what's, you know, what's the point? I'm, I might as well not, not even try. Um, what do you say to them? I, I think as a Palestinian, I will say we are now on different place. So uh, don't, don't ever lose hope 
of what will happen on the future. I mean, the future with us. And uh, at the end, we're going to win because of, uh, if we want to talk about justice and human rights, the history in our side. Uh, so don't uh, be sh shaken by uh, these results. As a matter of fact, I want other cities and uh, communities uh, to take over this resolution and we can help them too here, from here, from Vermont uh, to do it. Uh, we didn't, we kept it local. We tried even not to bring uh, religious figures, even though we have faith-based organization were supporting us because we don't wanna make it religious. They brought uh, four rabbis and as a matter of fact, my biggest surprise at the end, uh, the last speaker who, who gave testimony, he was a Jewish rabbi, uh, David Friedman from uh, Natur Kariat, we call it in Arabic, uh, even though they are minority, but I believe he came from, he's not from Burlington, definitely. Uh, what I'm going to say, the action itself to bring this debate to a city or to any municipality by itself, it's a victory. Because uh, even the local newspapers and the local TV, they covered this occasion completely different than what our opponents uh, wished. Uh, we had a space for the first time to say what we believe and how the future going to look like to build a, a peaceful community here and back uh, on Palestine, Israel. Uh, so the action itself is a victory and we will never accept that it's a defeat, you know? As a matter of fact, they wish that the vote will be against us and second day, they will say Burlington rejecting uh, PDS. Uh, Burlington is not rejecting PDS, you know. Uh, the other thing is we are facing attack and now it's a specific uh, based on a strategy, like let's say using uh, the holidays as excuse, as an attack, as an anti-Semitic. I learned later it's the only other resolution and it didn't come to the city of Cambridge from activists or as we call them BDSers. Uh, it came from th three council members uh, to uh, boycott HP, you know. Uh, uh, Hewlett Packard, the, yeah. Yeah, uh, the, 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 the first excuse was they shouldn't have brought it to the council on a holiday. And they created holiday. I mean, they, they go into bring holiday because we have only 365 days uh, a year. Uh, and you're going to find holiday or commemoration on every day, on every week, because of a long history of our Jewish siblings. Uh, so our opponents using that. But do, uh, here in Burlington, uh, the uh, strongest uh, supporters we have are from the, our Jewish community too. So don't forget that. This is one. Right. Two, I heard uh, from so many, personally, I received calls from members of the synagogues that they are revolting against it. 
uh, before the statement of the rabbis came in and after that. As a matter of fact, if you read the statement, the signatures of the statements, the four rabbis, they signed only their names as a rabbi of such a congregation, but not by the boards because many boards rejected. And if you read the forward article about what happened, many other rabbis rejected to sign on it. So we are in the right direction because at the end, us, the Palestinians and the, who people support us uh, 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 and uh, the Jewish community, we're going to live forever. I mean, uh, they, they, this is uh, not uh, a selective choice. This is our future together. So at the end, I believe us and uh, many, many uh, younger generation uh, from our Jewish siblings, they, we're going to come uh, to a conclusion that uh, all of us, we will be proud. Thank you, Wafik. Um, and I, you mentioned the Ben and Jerry's campaign earlier, and, and I want to kind of pivot a little bit to that. Um, Vermonters for Peace and Justice, uh, I'm sorry, Vermonters for Justice in Palestine uh, was really the spearhead group that took on the ice cream makers profiting from Israeli colonization. Um, can you tell us a, a little bit about your reaction to Ben and Jerry's finally saying over the summer that they wouldn't sell ice cream in, in the illegal settlements in the occupied West Bank? And, and what are the next steps in that fight? Uh, the, ben and Jerry, this is the thing. I mean, we were uh, definitely excited about the statements. We've been working uh, on this campaign over 10 years. And we met Ben and Jerry executives and we tried to negotiate something they, uh, to come out. Uh, uh, they went to um, multi-trips to educate themselves about the situation over there. But many times they shut the door in our face. Uh, to come to that conclusion, we always, every year, in two occasions at least, we were on the streets for Ben and Jerry uh, Free Con Day and a big festival in Berlin called Art Hub, where Ben and Jerry, uh, part of uh, uh, relating uh, to our community, local community, they will give free ice cream. We use Ben and Jerry's campaign for education because as you know, uh, for the longest time until now, uh, many American, uh, they will say, why you're talking about Palestine, Israel is far away. We have nothing to do with it. So to relate the subject that benefiting and profiting from occupation is against international law, uh, we use these uh, tools. But majority of us, uh, we're older in uh, VTGP. And for that, uh, a younger generation of activists, mainly I will give a credit to organization called Decolonize Burlington. After May 15, the commemoration of uh, the Nakba rally, which is hundreds of people, almost 500 people showed up. And we had petition to Ben and Jerry was a peasant. Uh, they took Ben and Jerry uh, to their account and they uh, put it on Instagram, on Twitter. And within three, four days, they shut Ben and Jerry uh, Twitters completely and we stopped seeing anything come 
from Ben and Jerry. And they forced Ben and Jerry to come to the table to talk to them uh, from board's members, which is we know they are a progressive, but they were absolutely timid to make that move to the executive, which is they made that move. Of course, we know that there is a statement coming and we were waiting for it. But when it came on a form of three different statements, it built confusion. We have the statements of the board, which is very clear. We're leaving at the end of 2022 from Israel and occupied Palestine. And the other one from the executive, we are leaving by 2022, but we're going to stay on Israel in one form or another. And uh, the uh, parents company Unilever, which is we are not leaving. But now we are facing a new dynamics that uh, many states because of anti-PDS laws are boycotting Unilever and divesting. And we heard, I think from uh, recently from Florida, from New Jersey, and I believe maybe Arizona, uh, and uh, Texas are studying it. I call to the, uh, our activists, I, I, I'll tell them, uh, this is our opportunity. Uh, for all means, uh, uh, boycott and BDS, and let's adopt one kind of a product and go for it, like Pillsbury or any, uh, or Puma or any other product, yes but it's an opportunity to go after the anti-BDS laws. Us locally and all across the United States, we have to prepare ourselves to go after uh, uh, such unlawful uh, uh, and unethical way some state that they are putting an American First Amendment in jeopardy. So it will be the actual debate between us and the American public is a freedom of speech to some, but not to the others. You know, I know I feel uh, as a Palestinian, uh, like other, like the black people, like the migrants and indigenous, the otherization exists. But when it comes to the First Amendment, this is a test for the American Constitution is, uh, to, and the lawmakers. And I am wondering when us, all of us activists across the United States, we will go after these laws. Because every time these laws uh, uh, went to the court, they lost. Yeah, that's right. I mean, in all federal courts, they've been denounced as, in, as unconstitutional, right? Yes. Wafiq, um, if people want to get in touch with you and your group and want to learn more about what's happening in Burlington, um, where can they go? What can they do? Uh, VTJP.org, uh, our organization. And or if you want my phone number, you can ask Nora. <laughs> I'll, I'll weed out the, the, you know, the, the queries there. Um, Wafiq Faur from Vermonters for Justice in Palestine. Thank you so much for all that you do and for being with us today on the Electronic Intifada podcast. Please do keep us posted about what's happening in Burlington. Thank you, Nora. Love to talk to you. Take care. Thanks for watching this video. Please subscribe to our YouTube channel. Hit like, leave a comment. 
these engagements help us with the YouTube algorithm and it helps us to get around Silicon Valley censorship as much as possible. It does make a difference. You can also support our journalism by going to electronicintifada.net and clicking on donate now. Thank you.